and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, we are just about to the end of the year, and so today we're going to do a little bit of 2020 in review. Now, <laughs> you may not want to listen to a show that is 2020 in review, uh, but I, I will say this. There were a lot of good things that happened, a lot of things we learned on the farm, and things that can definitely help us going into 2021. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm or could happen in 2021, we'd be happy to visit with you. Our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Well, I'll start you with this. In 2019, we said, wow, we can't wait to get done with 2019 because it has to be better than this. There was so much flooding out there, so many prevent plant acres. It was just a miserable year for a lot of farmers. And even for us, where we get everything planted, um, it was just tough going all, all the way along. Wet corn in the fall and hard to get work done, barely got any tiling done. I mean, it was just very, very, very frustrating. And then, of course, 2020 hits and things were looking fine. It, we were holding on to a lot of corn, figuring, you know, corn's going to go to 450 or 5 bucks, and it would have. I'm 100% convinced of that if COVID would not have hit. And I think the proof is today, when you look at the, the corn price today, where we're at about 450 locally here right now, well, how in the world could it be 450 when the ethanol plants are shut down for three months, you know, last year? I, I mean, the only possible way is we were really, really short on corn in 2019, which was absolutely what we believed, and now it's been proven true. Anyway, talking about 2020, I, I guess one of the biggest things that we saw was the need for pre-emerge weed control. I mean, weeds seem like they're getting worse and worse, and we're, we've got all these tough weeds to fight that are resistant to Roundup, like water hemp, mare's tail, kochia, common ragweed. There are several. And for the, the farmers we work with that had a good pre-emerge herbicide program out there, it was great. And we just didn't have nearly as many weeds to fight. And everything was looking good in 2020 in terms of the crop until like in our region of the country. And really for a lot of the Midwestern United States, we got dry at the end. Our last good rain was July 5th. So when you go three and a half months at the end of the season without a rain uh, or any consequential rain, yeah, it can be hard on the yield. I, I really thought we were going to have record yields until that dry out. But even so. We had decent crops, and now we've got a really good price, so th things are actually going to turn out okay. All right, well, we will continue talking about the year in review 2020 in just a little bit, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, we were just talking about this yesterday. George from Bulgaria had sent us some questions, and he had sent us an Excel spreadsheet as well that we could see the results of anyway. We couldn't see all his formulas, and he had figured out how many pounds it took of different kinds of fertilizer to get to his goals on a soil test. We got a similar question. This is from Darren in Larchwood, Iowa. And he asks, I wonder, do you have an equation available to get to a 10 to 1 phosphorus versus zinc ratio? I'm trying to figure out if I'll give you some numbers. I've got 40 parts per million P1 phosphorus 
40 parts per million P1, and 1.3 parts per million on my zinc. How many pounds of 35% zinc should I add to my fertilizer mix? Okay, so first of all, when we start talking about one, if we want to get to 10 to 1, all right? Now, I'm not saying for every single farmer out there, this is what you have to do. But we have found with corn, soybeans, and I would say wheat as well, that somewhere around that 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc ratio is good. However, we have to consider phosphorus can go down ridiculously fast compared to zinc. So I want you to think about the long-term strategy on your farm. And rather than just saying, well, 40 and that's it. Okay, well, is that it? Or is your future goal for it to be 20? Is your future goal for it to be 80? I, I don't know. But what I'm telling you is I can take a 40 down to 20 uh, this year and there's no problem. But I can't take a four zinc down to two zinc most likely this year. So because I can change that phosphorus so much faster because the crops use so much more phosphorus than they do zinc, then you got to be at least a little bit careful. An example of that would be, let's say that you have 100 parts per million on phosphorus and you tell me, well, that's, that's really high and I don't know that I want to do that long term. I want to be at 50. Okay, well, then don't get your zinc up to 10 because all of a sudden you're going to have your zinc at 10. Well, the next year it's going to be nine and a half and now you've got your phosphorus down to 50 and we have a problem. All right, but anyway, to answer the specific question, let's say that I wanted to get my zinc from 1.3 parts per million to four parts per million. The difference between those two is 2.7 parts per million. You multiply times two to convert that to pounds per acre, assuming this is a six-inch soil test. So that would be 5.4 pounds of zinc that we need to get out there. If we've got a 35% zinc, we'll just say it's a third. So roughly you've got to put out a little over 16 pounds of a zinc sulfate that is 35% zinc if you wanted to raise that soil test roughly 2.7 parts per million. All right. Thank you for the question. We appreciate that. Um, got one from Greg in Kansas. He said, we spread PNK in the ground before the grid samples came back and now we see we've got some micronutrient deficiencies, mainly zinc I think manganese and sulfur. Wondering, can we put a blend of those in a liquid form with our herbicide, or would we rather want to put it on this foliar? Is, this is actually a great question because just this morning I was talking to an agronomist and a farmer about a dry flowable zinc and a dry flowable manganese. Yes, there are such products out there. So you certainly could run it through the sprayer pre-emerge, but my concern gets to be if you're trying to throw a bunch out there, uh, it might fall out of suspension if you try putting too much with too few gallons of water. Now, if you put 20 or 30 or 40 gallons of water, you can do quite a bit. But yes, there are absolutely forms out there that you can use. You can mix them with herbicide, but be real careful. Do a jar test first. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk about the 2020 year in review next. It's about time. Applied at planting, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient flutriophil moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind in-furrow Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're taking a review of 2020. Now, don't don't get all down already and say, oh man, I don't want to talk anymore about 2020. We're talking about how the crops did and what kind of conditions we're seeing out there in fields, that type of thing today. Hopefully, you're, you're optimistic going into 2021, but we'll find out. So we wanted to talk to farmers all over. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Southern Texas to start out. We've got Dale with us right now. Dale, how are you today? Doing well. How about you guys? Excellent. Excellent. We got a nice brisk day in the 20 degree range, little wind, little snow blowing around on the ground. <laughs> we're, we're pretty excited here. We killed a lot of bugs. We killed off some disease today. It's fantastic. How about you? Well, there you go. Well, today we've got about an 85 degree day with a 30 mile an hour south wind howling. So we're uh, dry and warm. Hopefully that wind keeps coming up here, brings some of that warmth to us. We'll take it for sure. All right, so what would you have for a year, Dale? Was it was a pretty good growing season for you? No, you know, 2021 for the record books, right? I guess let me put my cotton hat on for a minute. In July, we had Hurricane Hannah, which devastated our cotton crop at that time. So we probably lost 85% or more of the cotton oh. crop. It was just a total loss. Uh, put my citrus and my sugarcane hat on. We're actually harvesting now, so that's the good news. The bad news is we're off a little bit. Our our, our tonnages are going to be off, be, probably mainly because of the hurricane. But we've also been in a heck of a drought. Uh, oddly enough, the last three years we've had more than our half of average rain, rainfall fall in three months. The last two Junes and then this last July we had this hurricane. So we had anywhere from 11 to 18 inches in that one-month period. So odd times, odd weather for sure. But, you know, as farmers, we got to be optimistic. Uh, glass is always half full, right? So we are harvesting grapefruit and oranges and sugar at the moment. Well, at least you get to do something fun. And I, I know what you're saying. When harvest is a little bit off, it's not quite as fun. But I still enjoy the harvest time. Is harvesting citrus and sugar cane fun? 
you know, it uh, it's labor intensive, and with COVID, it's it's especially with citrus because it's all hand harvested. Uh, it's had its challenges, uh, you know, keeping everybody safe with COVID and or the workforce available. So it's met its challenges for sure. But you know, to your point, yeah, absolutely. Harvest is always an enjoyable time to see the, uh, no pun intended, the fruit of your labor coming off. Yeah, I I always uh, talk about our farm while we're raising corn and soybeans primarily. Nothing that we get to eat directly. So I can I can see in a citrus crop where you could actually eat some of the product directly. That would be a little bit satisfying too. Uh, how about you next? Know, there's really nothing more satisfying than going out to the tree and picking a fruit right off of it. Absolutely, we're we're blessed. Yep, yep, that is fun. Okay, talk to us about 2021 then. What are do you have any New Year's resolutions heading into next year? I say goodbye to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that might be enough this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nah, you know, we, we, we use a little rain. We're hoping for, for some rainfall. We could definitely use it up at our, our irrigation storage lakes. Um, Amistad and Falcon are getting low. And uh, so, you know, one eye, one eye looking toward that. But, you know, hey, we got to be optimists, right? Uh, if anybody, if, if uh, you know, the world counts on us for a good food supply. So we're uh, we're doing our best. Well, how about for fiber? What about the cotton market? What do you see there, and do are acres going to change in your area for next year? You know, I don't see acres changing a lot for next year. I, I see them being about static for for the for the year. Uh, at least that's what what my fellow farmers are telling me. Uh, don't, I don't really see a lot of change uh, now. Now yield uh, based on this drought we're currently in could really affect things. Uh, you know, we just uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Right now, it's a dry dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that changes uh, in a good way for you going into next year, Dale. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. Happy New Year. Absolutely, Happy New Year. Y'all stay warm. We will try. That's that might be easier for Dale than it will be for us, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, maybe who knows? Maybe Patrick up in Ontario, Canada, is in the same boat as us. Patrick, how are you doing up there? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? Good. Good. Uh, looking forward to 2021 on our farm. Got a few things that were changing. How about on yours? Same thing. I didn't uh, even have my crop off, and I was already thinking about 2021. What I wanted to try different, and uh, like for a little bit of a fertility program and, and varieties and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it starts, from the ground up. And when you think about the fertility, what are you looking at next year? Are you you trying to build a certain nutrient on your farm, or is it a variety of things? Uh, Mainly P and K is what I'm trying to build up. It's it's a little bit on the low side, and uh, uh, potash prices were typically lower this year than what they have been. So I heard you guys before, you know, put in – a large amount on and and it worked and so some spots on my home farm here have 500 pounds to the acre and the rest of it's got uh 300 okay yeah yeah that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out i know we've done uh, a lot of that i remember one year mm-hmm. in fact we had potash truck after potash truck coming on the farm and that was kind of right when my dad was really transitioning out and Brian and I were looking at some of dad's land that needed some K built back up. And 
I said to Brian, I said, man, is dad really okay with all his potash? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got that all worked out. Don't you worry about that. Well, I didn't get a Christmas gift that year, Patrick. Dad wasn't really excited when he got that bill. Hopefully, everything's fine on your farm. Hopefully, there were still Christmas gifts and that kind of thing out there. Yeah, yeah. But as far as the crop went, uh, it was probably one of my best years I've had in the 25 years of farming. So. Awesome. I figured I got to pay, if I had a good crop, I have to pay the land back so I can keep getting good crops. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, you mentioned hybrids or varieties too. What are you learning on that and, and what are you changing for next year? Obviously, you're always looking for new ones that are better, but is there a, a certain characteristic that you said, man, when I had that, it was it was much better on my farm? Uh not necessarily this year. I was just going off mainly some of the uh, hearsay and some of the test plot data. And uh, there was a certain decal variety that uh, done had done well this year, so I wanted to try it. And also there was another variety that was, uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it is for more resistant to western bean cutworm as okay. well. Yep. So Western bean, has that been an issue for you for a long time or is that a new one? It has been probably for the last 10 years. Okay. Yep. Yep. I was just curious about that. We are seeing a lot more uh, varieties that have Tricepta or Viptera in them to protect mm-hmm. against some of those other insects. So yeah, I was talking to somebody in the seed industry about that and they said, well, if you don't have them now, you'll probably have them in a few years and then you'll be concerned about it too. And for some areas that have had them a long time, they said there's actually uh, less pressure in some of those areas, but it sounds like in yours, it's still going hot and heavy. Well, this year actually was surprisingly one of the better years um, for Western bean cutworm. I, I actually only did the fields that uh, had high counts and uh, the ones that didn't, I left alone and actually the grain quality was comparable on either or. So it, like I said, it was a good year all in all. Excellent. Excellent. Now, one thing, I got a little bone to pick with you, Patrick. I hear that your kids make you watch Ag PhD. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but... uh, They do not make me watch Ag PhD. (laughs) They love watching your show. And actually, Brian, if it's okay, they would like to say hi to you. Absolutely. You bet. Okay. Hi, Brian. Hi. Yep. Darren's here too. Hi. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Good. How are you? Good. Did you have a great Christmas? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for watching Ag PhD. We really appreciate it. Well, I love your show. Oh, that's great. Thank you. So do you want to be a farmer when you grow up? Yeah. Well, that's good. We need more great people in agriculture. So, Mm -hmm. What is your favorite crop right now to raise? Um, Corn. Yeah, I think that's Brian's favorite crop. I, I kind of <laughs> like soybeans too, but uh, you know, it's it's fun when we get to do these things and, and your dad was just talking to us about working on the land, trying to build up the soil so it'll be even better when it's your turn to farm them. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And have a happy new year. Okay, you too. You bet. Thanks, Bye. Patrick. We really appreciate having you on today. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Have a happy new year. You too. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. 
New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe next spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed treatment from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking to have your seed pre-treated with Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. When it comes to leading herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Cheetah, a high-quality glufosinate herbicide made right here in the USA. Now for use on a wide variety of crops with glufosinate-resistant traits, including Enlist crops. Its novel mode of action will manage existing or emerging herbicide resistance and provide fast, effective results. This means you can focus more on profitability and less on weeds. New Farm and Cheetah Herbicide, here to help. Have resistant weeds invaded your cornfields? Tough 5EC, manufactured by Beltram Crop Protection, can help. When added to the post-emergence tank mix, Tough 5EC synergizes the effectiveness of HPPD inhibitors on key broadleaf weeds. In fact, university field trials have shown 5 to 30% increased control of herbicide-resistant Palmer amaranth and water hemp. Now that's tough on weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BeltramUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. Today on the show we are doing a little bit of year in review for the challenging year of 2020. Next we've got Alan calling in from out in the state of Michigan. Alan, how are you doing today? Ah, pretty good. Great. Pretty good. How did your crops turn out this year? Uh, pretty fair. Um, our grain crops were, were a little bit less than average because we had such a wet fall and winter, you know, before, yeah. and uh, had some damage there, but they, they were average. Um, our soybeans were fantastic uh, for the most part. We had all the real early planting ones were like 50 bushel, but the, the later ones where we got the rain, we got fall rains, and uh, we had 75, 80 bushel beans. Wow. Our 
Yeah, yeah, it, it was fantastic. Is that, the uh, be- is that the best you've ever had? Uh, yeah, I think as an average, I think it is. We've had some, you know, irrigated fields that are up in that quite often, but but uh, on an average, overall, overall our field, I think it was about the best we've had. Nice. The, our corn wasn't that good because we had such a cold, wet spring that it did quite a lot of damage. Our stands were a little bit thin, and, sure. and I don't know, it just doesn't recover from that cold, wet weather. And we grow, we grow seed corn, so the inbreds aren't very... Oh, vigorous. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yep. No, I so hear you. up an average crop. <laughs> so, other than getting the rain at the right time, like on the soybean side of things, was there anything that you tried, anything you did different this year that you feel led to a few extra bushels? Um, I think earlier planting. We start planting soybeans first, um, and. Uh, it just seems like getting them beans in early seemed seemed to have helped. Seemed to help. I, I, the, we had a real early variety that we put in real early that missed the that missed the fall rain. Oh sure. Got. But but other than that, I think the other ones getting them up and and getting them going a little earlier and getting the canopy quicker. I I think it's helped. Sure. And we're, we're planting them all on prescription rate now too. So yep. I think that's helping us a little bit too. Yeah, good. So as we go into 2021, is there anything that you're thinking about on your farm in terms of the crop acres, new or different? Anything else you want to try this year that you're hoping adds some yield? Um, no, I think think we're staying pretty much the same. I, I don't, as of right now. Uh, sure. There's a lot of a lot of winter here to think about things yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. But you mentioned the wet fall you had in 2019. I assume you had a much much drier fall this year, so you were able to get all your fall work done this year, right? Yes, uh, that that I think is setting us up for a much better spring because we we uh, got a lot of things done that we hadn't been able to do for the last two years. Um, a lot of damage from working on wet soils and and stuff so we were able to do some tillage to hopefully get improve things so I, I think we're set for a much better spring yeah we honestly alan had some things on our list from five years ago and it had remained too wet or too cold or i mean just whatever happened in the fall every year and i'm after our guys hey let's get this done oh no the snow hit or you know something happened and this year we just had such a fantastic fall it was just a lot more fun yeah yeah we were able to get our cover crops in and got good growth on them and they all look nice so that that's going to help some i think what kind of cover crops do you raise uh we run Pretty much cereal rye. Sure. Yeah. Do you, uh, and which crops do you do that in front of? It Does it matter? I, I mean, is it just in front of some of that seed corn, or what do you do? Um, both. Uh, we put them where we think they need to be, in front of corn or beans. Um, so I, we don't really con- get concerned about which one. Sure. And as far as putting the cover crop in, is your main goal there to reduce erosion, or why do why do you put those in? Um, keep erosion down and, and hold the nutrients. I think is one of our biggest things. Sure. You know, and not not lose our nutrients. Uh, 
So. Yeah, we've seen a lot more cover crops going in here in the last few years. Well, hey, uh, Alan, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. Want to wish you a happy new year, and hopefully 2021 turns out to be a great year on the farm. Okay, thank you. You bet. Thank you. Let's head down to Iowa. We've got Jason with us right now. Jason, how are you doing? I'm good. How about you guys? Pretty good. Boy, it was sure a wacky 2020 across the state of Iowa. How did you turn out this year? Uh, actually, uh, overall, we came out pretty well. Um, I'd say it was an average year crop production-wise. Um, yeah, we, we got a, a good start uh, on field work in uh, March, and we were doing a lot of tiling projects. And then, yeah, got in planting-wise April 22nd and actually got done May 11th. So that was a really – it was a whirlwind, but we got everything done there in, in good time. Um had a few cold spells, but overall, you know, things were going good. And then, uh, oh, late June, July, early July, we had a lot of rain, almost too much. But uh, the corn handled it well. Beans were a little iffy, but uh, they came out of it. And then, like a lot of other people, the, the rain shut off. So, Yeah, that was our farm a little bit, too. We got a decent start on things, and then the rain just quit. And, that you know, we thought it was going to hurt our beans worse than it did up here. We actually turned out okay on the soybeans, and the corn did pretty decent through it, I think, with early establishment. Now, I'm wondering, when you said you were doing the tiling, we, we always feel like if we've got the tile out there, we see deeper roots, and that we're, we're going to be set up for those years that it does get dry later, that our roots have gone deeper. Did you notice that on your farm this year? Yeah, I mean, we've been tiling for, oh, probably a decade, and yeah, we've still got a lot to go, and, and yeah, it's been by by far our, our number one return on investment. Yeah, you guys talk about it all the time, and you, you just can't beat it. Um, so yeah, we, we got some of our own done, some terrace projects with some other people, so yeah, it was really nice uh, to get a jump start on that, and we actually had two weeks two good weeks in December, believe it or not, of tile work. So, um, uh, and, and it was a really good fall for fall, uh, field work, like a lot of other people. I mean, everything is just set up really good for next year. So that, that is awesome. Yeah. When you, when you can go into a winter like this and say, man, the table is set for 2021 and we aren't overly wet yet. We should be able to get in early unless we get some massive rainfall early in the spring. That's kind of fun. So going into next year, then is there anything you're going to do a little bit different if you think, Hey, we got another shot at getting in there early. Um, well, so I did a lot of tissue sampling this last year. I was really dedicated to that. I think I learned a lot and still, still learning, obviously. Uh, the one thing I definitely need to do is get a, make sure I get an early corn reading. I didn't get it very early. Uh, so then I maybe could, you know, make an application there at that V5, like everybody talks about. Sure. And so, so yeah, that was one thing. I mean, uh, side dressing nitrogen, I had to check this year with, you know, like, Oh, it was AMS and uh, some ESN. I mean, that that paid this year. So just, just nice to see some of those things work. Yeah. So that side dress then, you must have got that on right before you had those big rains, late June, early July, or right after? When when did you do – what was your timing on that? Yeah, that was before. So that's with a, a dry buggy, obviously. And, yeah, the timing was, um, yeah, er, before all those rains. We, we were – getting decent rains before then but then yeah it was, it was too much too many extremes after that so yep yep that's for sure all right so any new year's resolutions heading into next year 
no, not a lot. Yeah, just just trying to um, o- always find things that are going to make us money, right? I mean, it, it's hard to uh, do everything, but just try and find the right things that are going to work and try it on a small scale first. So, yeah, that's a good strategy. I like that. We're we're talking through that too. Some of the things we tried on a small scale and and how we're going to implement them on a larger scale on the farm for next year. It's fun fun in this planning stage. Now we'll see if the execution stage this spring turns out the way we're hoping. We're talking with Jason down in Iowa. Jason, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and happy New Year to you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Happy New Year. We're doing a review of 2020. We'd love to hear how things went on your farm. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. I need the solve without the cell. With NK Seeds, I get people I trust who show me where their hybrids and varieties fit in my field without the heavy cell. So I get solutions that solve my problems from a partner who knows that success matters. Find your solve at nkseeds.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about 2020. It's almost over, and I would think most folks would say that's a good thing. But how was your year on your farm in 2020? How'd your crops turn out? We'd love to hear from you, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Ed on with us now over in Minnesota. Ed, how are you doing? Good, Brian. How are you doing? We are doing well here. How uh, how about your farm? How'd things turn out this year for you? Well, um, better than they have been, but not as good as we expected. So a little bit like uh, Toby Keith's song. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well, that's fine. Well, better than better is not bad. And it doesn't always have to be the best ever, but but hey, if it's if it's at least good, I I would say our crops are better than I thought they were going to be. Not as good as I was hoping, so I I think we were in the same boat. But that allows us yeah. to keep farming another year. And with these crop prices, I think our dollar net is definitely going to be better than I thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, <clears throat> I hate to say it, but I mean, you know, the government threw a fair amount of money at the, at the producers this year too, you know, whether it be, you know, because of tariffs and whatever, but, uh, you know, bottom line is, is, um, we, we don't have a food issue, but we might have a food price issue coming up this summer. If, if we are as short as what the market is saying that we're short of. So, um, and that's where price rationing is probably going to come into play on that. But I don't think anybody in the United States is going to go hungry anytime soon. No, that's for sure. And, you know, the other thing about it is we, when we start talking about food rationing and, uh, you know, yep, it looks terrible for supply and all this, that a lot of times in my experience has been when we've hit the peak. <laughs> so yep. I, yep. I, yep. I Darren and I were literally just talking about this on commodity prices over the break here, and it was a little over a month ago, and I had some farmers I was talking to, they asked, okay, what's everybody think the the, uh, corn and bean prices are going to get to? And I said, I think the Board of Trade is going to hit 13 bucks on beans, 475 on corn. It's going to happen within 60 days, and I think that's going to top us out because Brazil eventually is going to be able to supply the market again. Even though they've had drought down there and everything, they're still going to supply a fair amount of the market. Well, guess what? Today of all days, we've hit 13 and we've hit 475, both of them. So I don't know. I I mean, yeah, it might go to who knows, twenty dollar beans and eight dollar corn. But I really, I'm happy selling at these levels. I'll put it that way. Let's 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 maximize what we have (laughs) at these prices. Let's. I mean, you know, you know, if you've got you know eighty eighty percent crop insurance, you know what your APH is, you know where everything these things all are, and you should feel confident being able to go up and, you know, put offers in. If it goes higher, I personally, I, you know, with COVID, at least you can't go to the coffee shop and brag about stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, that's social media. So I, guess, I guess there's that. So, but, you know, reflecting back on 2020, it was the earliest I planted corn in probably 10 years. Yeah. And I mean, I got corn planted in April. It was in beautiful shape. I mean, they yep. went in the ground, the ground worked up nice, got it planted. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden we hit that Mother's Day <laughs> cold spell. And yeah. it just like, it just, it, it kind of just, it just stopped. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, we got four and a half inches of rain in May. 
I personally think that that might have might have washed things beyond what the roots would have caught up to. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, came in and side dressed, you know, first week of June, we were putting on our side dress urea, which we had pulled some of that urea out of our, out of our broadcast starting program. And we put a little bit more on <clears throat> in, in June and, you know, I, the corn looked great. We came into, you know, we were thinking Labor Day weekend, my God, we got a hell of a corn crop and a heck of a bean crop. And it's just like, you, know, you pull into the field, we were combining beans into September, combining corn into September, you know, that was 26, 27. It's just like, well, we can wait. And, uh, you know, we took 61 bushels of the acre beans off of off of the fields that were Liberty Link and 30-inch rows that were no-tilled. Yeah. And 185 bushel corn that was 19% moisture with 57-pound test weight. Yeah. Not, not that bad. But it looks so much better. And <laughs> yep. That's same. I guess that was just like thank God yep. we didn't oversell it. <laughs> yep, I know. Same same you thing know, here. You, it, know. you know, for us, it was it, I felt explainable when July fifth was our last decent rain. If we would have had another rain later, and you know, around here they always say August rains make beans. We had nothing, nothing for August yep. rains, and we yeah. still averaged probably I don't know sixty five bushels or something. So, I mean, it definitely could have been a lot worse. And I'm a lot happier now that the oh, prices yeah. are where they. Yeah. Are. So, yeah, it, right, right. but yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought, well, and especially when we got, we had almost two inches of rain on July 5th, and I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to have so much grain here, it's going to be unbelievable. But then it just shut off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and I had seeded. Um, we did some uh, uh, seeded some cover crops with a high boy into 30 inch row beans mm-hmm. on the 31st of August. Yep. And we we got an inch of rain after that, yep. and then we got another inch of rain you know two weeks later oh. and when we combine those beans on the uh, 6th of october mm-hmm. that field looked greener than my lawn did yeah and it, it i mean it caught it you know and it's it looks great i mean i drove by last week we got just the dust you know the snow and, and that stuff is still, it's still green it's yeah. just like wow this is going to make you know i mean i'm excited about that you know we're going to sure. manage it we're probably going to throw some urea on it, um, do some frost, you know, um, get some urea on it early because that's we're going to try to take it for forage. Oh, and yeah. Then we're going to turn around, then we're going to, and then we're going to strip it, and then we're going to plant some ninety-day corn in there, probably sure. you know twentieth of May. Yeah. And then so we're the goal is is to crank two, uh, you know, grow three crops in two years is what we're trying yes. to do. And yeah, so, yeah, we've got um, a neighbor. Not a lot, but we're playing with it. So. Yeah, we got a neighbor that does that right across the road that raises a lot of livestock, and and it's all fine. I, my only concern is if we have a drought year, and you know that we're as That's dry. Been, yep. Yeah, yep. we're as dry as we've been. I mean, it's the first time yep. we've been this dry yep. since 2012, 2013. Right. and so yep. that that's my only fear. And our, our dad always talked to us about that too. He's like, you know, we're in a very dry area in the country. You you get a lot more rain than we yep. do, even. But right. I, I mean, right. it's yep. th- that's that's my only concern. So hopefully. Hopefully you luck out and get that rain and it all turns out great for you. Uh, anything else, Ed, as you're yeah, thinking uh, about going into next year, you just talked well, about your cover crop, trying uh, to, trying to get that. I, oh, I and just, yeah, go I ahead. Just, yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, we called it a cover crop there, but I don't really look at that as a cover crop. That's an actual crop that you're raising where you're trying to get income yep. off that. So I, that yep. that is a little bit different than what a lot of guys talk about where they say cover crop, where they literally, literally do nothing to it. They just kill it, plant right into it. But yeah, I'm glad to, glad to hear you're going to hopefully get some income off that. Well, you got to manage it. You got to manage it. Like, right. I mean, if you're just going to, if, and that's what, and that's what I try to stress to guys too. Uh, when I talk cover crops, it's just like a cover crop has to be managed just like any other corn, soybeans, or, or, or it's a grain crop. Yes. And you're managing it for, you're managing it for forage production. So manage it, fertilize it, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe, right. you know, depending on how far you want to go with it, you know, for feed quality and that, but, it, with the feed, with all the other proteins going higher, yep. these uh, cover crops are going to become a very important part of of livestock producers' forage protein sources going into next summer. And I think, you know, that it, hopefully we can benefit from it. As far as changes going into next year, you know, it's going to, you know, you start with the corn planter. Um, we put on um, um, uh, smoke or um Throw cruises on part of it. Sure. I'm probably going to put it on the rest of the planter. Um, uh, take a look at the openers. Um, take a look at you know everything else in the planter. Probably you know the the maintenance part of it. You know sure. drive chains, deck, uh, um, seed selection. I don't know. I mean I haven't. I don't have any seed in the shed right now. Um, still trying to decide. You know I think I'm going to stay with a. With what I'm doing with a with a glyphosate um, sure. program on the corn and the Liberty program on the on the soybeans seems to work pretty good for keeping the tall water hemp in check, and then uh, you know start looking at you know tile if we can we can we yeah tile tile tile's a big thing I hear you hey hey Ed we got to run but uh, thanks a lot for the yep. call today appreciate it want to wish you a happy new year and best of luck in 2021 stay tuned to we'll be right back all right thank you it's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer but how strong you finish the race high striker uses patent pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crops root zone because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with high striker treated nitrogen. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. 
It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is. Profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're going to dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. We've got a question from Kevin, or a couple questions from Kevin in New Jersey, and a comment. He said, hey, you guys were talking a while back with somebody about wild cucumber, and I just wanted to mention we've been using Halex GT. That's been working well for us. We've been spiking in some atrazine. Uh, found that has helped improve the residual a little bit, too. We have used Status. It has worked well but it doesn't have enough residual to hold the weeds out season long for us. Uh, thanks for the comment, Kevin. We appreciate that. And Kevin's also got two questions. First one about boron in a low CEC soil. He said our CEC is five to seven here in New Jersey. Is a fall application of boron going to be okay or will it be gone before we need it next year? I would say if you do it really close to when your ground freezes up, you're probably going to be okay. If you do it way in advance of when your ground freezes up, then I would have serious concerns because you get a fair amount of rainfall and then obviously in a light soil, boron doesn't stick around very well. Now, boron is not as leachable or in other words, it's not going to leave the soil as fast as nitrate, but nevertheless, it's still a concern. So if, if you can't do it shortly before freeze up for the winter, then I would just wait till spring and play it safe. All right. And his other question... If uh, the salesman continues to convince our operation to use Zidua Pro as our pre and soybeans, <laughs> I'm wondering, can we still use a Group 15 post-emerge to control yes. some late escaping weeds? And then, of course, how late can we possibly apply a Group 15 to spread things out and extend our control? Ooh, that's actually an excellent question. And we have put something together for our Ag PhD winter workshops that are coming up. We're going to have a soybean Ooh, agronomy this, workshop. This is a little teaser, Brad. This is a little teaser coming so. out. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to have a corn agronomy workshop on January 13th, a soybean agronomy workshop on February 3rd. If you would like to attend in person, we will have limited attendance. You could sign up online and then it's free when you attend in person. Or you can actually participate online for free if you are an Ag PhD magazine subscriber. Just go to agphdinsider.com to learn more about that. Very inexpensive to get the magazine. Anyway, uh, 
what I did is had our people put together a sheet on the group 15 herbicides and how late you can apply them in soybeans. So the latest ones, um, if there is acetochlor, for example, like Warrant, you can go all the way up to R2. Many of the group 15s, it's a 90-day pre-harvest interval. So around here, we usually harvest early October. So that puts us to September, August, July. So you're talking, call it 4th of July. So you would actually, with a warrant, be able to go in our area for most people up until mid to even late July, depending, again, it's on growth stage, R2, so that's full flower. Oh, and as far as the Zidua Pro thing, here's the reason why we talk about Zidua Pro in terms of if it was me, it doesn't really fit for the weeds that I'm after because what it is is it's Zidua, which is a group 15, and that's a good one, especially if you get lots of rainfall because it'll stick around for a long time. Uh, Pursuit, which we don't need because that's an ALS and that won't kill our ALS-resistant water hemp, ALS-resistant kochia, ALS-resistant mare's tail, you get the point. And then it's got Sharpen in there, which is fine for burndown, but it doesn't give you much more than that because you have to use such a low rate of Sharpen in front of soybeans. So I don't I don't recommend that product because when I use Sharpen, that does not give me the opportunity to use Valor or Authority, and I want the Valor or Authority out there so I have longer residual. So we talk about, hey, I'd use Valor Authority, plus I'd use Metribuzin, plus I'd use a yellow like Prowl or Trifluralin. So that's what I would do instead of Zidual Pro, but it depends on the weed spectrum that you have, and maybe that fits, fell, fit, fits fine for you. Right. Thanks for the for the questions. We really appreciate that. Uh, this is from Tanner, and he was asking about gibberellic acid. And he said, regarding gibberellic acid, you say to apply it when temperatures are lower. And I think that you said the plants can create their own gibberellic acid once it warms up. Wondering if we hit a high around 60 or 65 degrees, is applying gibberellic acid going to benefit us yep. the rest of the day when the temperature is lower? Or are we wasting money applying it once our highs are in that range? Also, how cold can it be and still benefit applying gibberellic acid? And can you mix fertilizer with it as well? Okay. So... Yes, yes, and yes. You can use it whenever you want. Um, it's just you're going to gain more when it's cooler. And yes, you could mix it with fertilizer. You just have to be a little bit careful. Any fertilizer you're spraying foliar so you don't burn the crop. But, I mean, the gibberellic acid doesn't add any burn or anything like that. But I'm just saying don't overdo it on your fertilizer because if you burn the crop, well, obviously nothing is going to do you a whole lot of good. Okay, in terms of the temperature, you as long as the plant's growing, you're fine. So if it, if we're down in the 30s even, you're fine. And here's the thing with gibberellic acid. It is the growth hormone in the plant that is naturally produced. And there's more of it produced as temperatures warm up. And basically, it means more stem elongation. Okay, so you're going to get a taller plant. So the warmer it is, the taller the plant is. That's why, like in our region of the country, for farmers wanting to plant silage, they always plant it late. I like planting my grain corn in the middle of April, but if you're going to plant silage corn, you usually wait until late May. You get a lot more, well, you get some more tonnage typically, and you get a lot taller plant. So that's that's the reason why. There's just more gibberellic acid produced. So if you say, well, I'm going to sacrifice my grain yield if I wait all the way till late May, and I would agree with that 100%. So 
you go, well, I want to plant mid-April, but how do I get a taller plant so I end up with more tonnage? Well, how you get that is you trick the plant into thinking things are good, and you throw on this gibberellic acid. So there are products out there like Valent has Rise Up Smart Grass, for example. Very inexpensive. You're talking like three bucks an acre, maybe four. So you throw that out there on the plant, and it's this natural hormone that will now tell the plant to get taller. There's one year we did this at our field day, and we did it on the corn that was right behind the field day site. And so all that corn was, it was tall. And same variety as what we had planted in part of the field day, but everybody's like, whoa, that corn's tall, and boy, that looks great, and everything. Well, it didn't really help grain yield, but it absolutely helped us with overall tonnage because we'd made the plant taller. All right, speaking about doing things with plant growth hormones, we got a question from MK who says, can applying PGRs influence the number of ears per stalk, or is it more related to genetics and sunlight? Well, I mean, potentially that could help, but a PGR by itself is not ever going to be the answer because you've got to have the right fertility, the right variety. You know, you had to have planted it correctly. So there are a lot of other things that go into it. Could that help lead you to more ears or bigger ears or even if the ear's the same size, just for that for each individual kernel to be a hair bigger. We talk about this in soybeans all the time too. You can have just as many actual soybean seeds out there, but if you can make each one of them 2% bigger, you know, that's 2% more overall yield. So that can be huge. And it's anyway, so yes, that could be part of it, but certainly that is not the only thing we want you looking at. All right. Thanks for the question. All right. Got a couple of uh, agronomy seminar type things here. First of all, this one's from Pam and Harry. And say so we've been involved in Randy Dowdy and David Hewlett's Next Level program. And we saw that you've got a webinar coming up in February discussing soybeans. Wondering where you sign up for that. And I wonder if you are going to broadcast that out at other locations. Uh, thanks, Pam and Harry. Really appreciate that. Okay, so if you just go to agphd.com under our events tab, you can see our different events that are coming up. And obviously, due to COVID, we are uh, not having our regular events and certainly not as many, but we are going to have a few and we're going to have limited attendance. Now, I, I just sent something out to our people. I honestly believe that by the time we hit our tiling clinic, and that'll be, that'll be March 16th, at by that point, I feel like, and this is just my opinion and my guess, Half the farmers in the United States will have already gotten the COVID vaccine because I believe, if I've read everything right, farmers are either going to fall into one of two categories, two or more comorbidities or essential worker. Well, the two or more comorbidities, uh, those people might be getting shots in January. Uh, the essential worker thing, that's going to be January, February, from the way it looks to me. Like in the county we live in, it's already over 5% of the adults have gotten the vaccine over 5% already in the county that we live in. So I'm optimistic. I'm more optimistic about the timeline than I was even two weeks ago, but things are moving along pretty fast. So hopefully we're going to be able to open things up sooner rather than later. Oh, that will be good because as uh, today showed, we were doing a 2020 year interview. It sounds like pretty much everyone is looking forward to 2021, and that's the way it should be. Well, we should be looking forward to the next year, but especially this year, we're looking forward to the next season. Thanks for listening to our show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.